0: Even just natural truths, without the benefit of revelation. So the idea of contrasting and comparing the active life and the contemplative life is actually something that predates um, the, the you know Catholic theological, philosophical, and theological tradition, and it's something that was sort of subsumed into that tradition. Now uh, there is, of course, also the vita mixta, the the mixed life, which has some aspect of of each of these. Uh, And most people really have some aspect of of, of each, although, of course, today, uh, both in the world and, unfortunately, in the church, the contemplative life has been very much uh, sidelined. But I I do think it's making a bit of a comeback. Okay, so such reflections, Dr. Hickson continues, for which we are, again, especially grateful to Dr. Pieper, might also be helpfully illuminating and consoling for us now amid our current constrictions and imponderables in society. No, So he's talking about the... The, um, the COVID-19 nonsense. Um, so I'm going to skip the rest of that paragraph. So here's Dr. Pieper. Uh, Dr. Hickson says this, introducing a paragraph. We may see now how Joseph Pieper approaches Gide's own candid insights. Gide was a French author. Quote, But practice does not become meaningless now now practice meaning activity practice meaning you know doing things but practice does not become meaningless the moment it sees itself as an excuse me let me let me start again but practice does become meaningless the moment it sees itself as an end so He's just been talking about the the utility of practice, the utility of doing things, the utility of the active life. But then he says that it becomes meaningless the moment it sees itself as an end, as the end itself. "'For this means converting what is by nature a servant into a master, with the inevitable result that it no longer serves any useful purpose. The absurdity and the profound dangers of this procedure cannot in the long run remain hidden.' André Guide writes in his journals, quote, The truth is that as soon as we are no longer obliged to earn our living, we no longer know what to do with our life and recklessly squander it. End quote from André Gide, Here, with his usual acuteness, Guide has described the deadly emptiness and endless ennui, which bounds the realm of the exclusively practical like a belt of of a lunar landscape, like a belt of lunar landscape. So, in other words, picture a lumen landscape with the, with the sort of the, the, the marked, you know, uh, crater, crater-ridden, crater very unfertile-looking uh, surface. When he speaks of um, ennui, endless ennui, this is a French word that's sort of been incorporated into English, E-N-N-U-I, ennui means a kind of a, a boredom uh that comes with just there's no drive it's a listlessness it's a it's a lack of desire to do anything and and you're kind of it's a boredom induced by satiety like you know you're you're glutted you you've you've had all the parties you could go to you've had all the enjoyments you could have there's really nothing further for you to pursue now What's the point? So it's not just boredom, but it's a kind of vicious boredom uh, that comes from um, from from uh, an overabundance. So this is, a, this is an important point, this is a very, you know, I guess you might call it a first world problem, when people are, um, they, they've, they've worked hard, they've labored, they've stored up stuff, and uh, they get all the happiness, quote-unquote, that they can out of the stuff, right, out of the material things, and then they sort of wonder what's it all about, and according to André Guide, there are people who work all their lives and then they retire and just don't know what to do with themselves. Um, now, actually, I know retired people who say they've never been busier, but, but I guess they, they're productively using their retirement. Um, okay, so this is the destruction, this this, this terrible lunar landscape. This is the destruction which results from destruction of the Via Complutica, I'm sorry, Vita Contemplativa. So the Vita Contemplativa, um, Hmm. Contemplativa is the contemplative life. So, as a, as distinguished from the vita activa, huh? So, because we've destroyed the concept of the contemplative life, even among active folks, even among lay folks, even among people, quote-unquote, in the world, we've destroyed a concept of contemplation, therefore they have this endless ennui. They don't know what it's all about because they've got all their toys and those toys aren't making them happy anymore. In light of such a recognition, we suddenly see new and forceful validity in the old principle Quote, it is requisite for the good of the human community that there should be persons who devote themselves to the life of contemplation. End quote. So there Dr. Pieper has quoted St. Thomas Aquinas. It is requisite for the good of the human community that there should be persons who devote themselves to the life of contemplation continues, for it is contemplation which preserves in the midst of society the truth that is at one and the same time useless and the yardstick of every possible use. So it is also contemplation which keeps the true end in sight, gives meaning to every practical act of life. So what does it mean when he says that, uh, that that contemplation preserves in the midst of society the truth that is at once uh, useless and the yardstick of every possible use? Well, the higher truths, which don't have any immediate applicability to, say, ha- how you grow – crops or how you fix a tractor or how you get from point A to point B um, or how you, you know, engage in any of the the myriad ways and means that you need to do on a daily basis. All of those things are, are regulated by certain skills, perhaps certain virtues like prudence, but they don't pertain to the higher things, do they? And the higher things don't tell you how to do that. I mean, they, they might tell you, if you already know how to do it, they might help you to do it in a holy way, uh, but they don't tell you, you know, contemplating the higher truths doesn't help you, you know, fix a carburetor. Contemplating higher truths doesn't doesn't make you a, a, a good plumber, it doesn't give you the, the skills that you need to, you know, to, to replace your... Toilet when something's happened to it, right? So uh, there's a there's something that's useless in the immediate about the the higher truths, the things of God, the things that are the ob- objects of contemplation. Yet without those things, the end is lost. The, the end that we're supposed to keep in sight is lost. So for St. Thomas, it's, it's good for the, it's for the good of society itself that there be people who give themselves to the life of contemplation so that amidst all the other activity of the rest of society, those ultimate truths don't get lost. So, Dr. Hickson continues to understand better the hierarchy and proper subordinations between the active and contemplative lives. Joseph Pieper offers a clarification about the traditional notion of hierarchy, lest, he mis- lest it be misunderstood, as is often the case. You're listening to Reconquest on the Crusade Premium Channel, part of the Veritas Radio Network. This is Brother Andre Marie, and we are on number episode number 287, The Ultimate Felicity of Man. And yet, yeah, so it's cut to the chase. Uh, the Ultimate Felicity of Man consists, as St. Thomas himself says, in contemplation. Well, by the way, we're going to get more of St. Thomas himself directly at the end, uh, or in a little bit, if, if I have time. I think I should be able to manage this. So here's more of Dr. Pieper making a distinction between the, the, the different facets of, of this hierarchy, right? So there's a hierarchy. Contemplative life is superior to the active life. But just because you have a hierarchy, and this is a moder- as modern democratic, quote-unquote, Americans, we have to be aware of this. We tend to be, we tend to be um, anti-hierarchical, at least in our national ethos. Uh, even though we have an oligarchy who actually runs us, and we call it a democracy uh, or a democratic republic, whatever, uh, still uh, we we are adverse uh, because of our sort of egalitarianism in this country. We are adverse to notions of hierarchy. There are traditionally there are regions of the country where that's not the case, especially the south, but still. We are kind of as part of our major national ethos, our dominant national ethos, anti-hierarchical and very egalitarian. But hierarchy itself does not imply that the lower is trash. Uh, in a truly hierarchical Christian society, there were obligations that the higher classes felt towards the, the the lower classes and the social strata. But this is not about that. So I'm I'm just giving you a, a point that there's a there are various ways of looking at this sort of proper notions of subordination and hierarchy that aren't um, de- de- derogatory towards what is lower down in the hierarchy. All right. Pieper says, we do not mean to scorn or decry practical life, that's the act of life, and here it seems proper to put in a word about the nature of hierarchical thinking. The hierarchical point of view admits no doubt about difference in levels and their location, but it also never despises lower levels in the hierarchy. Dr. Hickson says lower levels like of subsidiarity or of subordination. Thus, the inherent dignity of practice, as opposed to theoria or theoria, meaning it's the word that we get theory from, but it kind of meant contemplation in Greek. Um, it's by the way, it's the word that we get theater from. It's also the word we get theory from. A lot of English words come from this Greek word theoria, which uh, can be translated as a spectacle, something seen. Hence the idea. Hence, it's also the object of our contemplation. By the way, this only I checked, and in the New Testament, there's only one place this Greek word theoria is used, and it's speaking about our Lord hanging on the cross, and it's uh, in St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, verse, I think, 48. Um, it talks about the people who were struck with the spectacle there, and uh, that word is theoria, um, or it's an, it's declined. I think it's theorion or something. But, um, okay, so, but you could translate a contemplatio in Latin, the, the thing contemplated. So, Thus, the inherent dignity of practice as opposed to theoria is in no way denied, so, so he's not deriding the act of life. It is taken for granted that practice is not only meaningful but indispensable, that it rightly fills out man's weekday life, that without it a truly human existence is inconceivable. Without it, indeed, the vita contemplativa is unthinkable." So in other words the contemplative life is unthinkable without the active life there has to be even in a mo- even in the most cloistered monastery a carthusian monastery or something there is some degree of activity that would that would constitute the um, vita activa although the vast majority of their time